Welcome to episode seven of My Name is Daryl. And really, I know it's been a long time, guys. It's been some months. I'm back. I know I've said it before, but I'm back again. And uh, you know what? We're going to keep this train rolling. It's quarantine time, man. It's quarantine time. So, you know, I had to get the podcast out. But before I even get into anything, I want to thank everybody who has been telling people about my podcast um, numbers are not the most important thing in the world for me, but it is really cool to see that you guys are consistently either finding my podcast, either re-listening to it or something because I have people in the UK listening to it now. I have been averaging over 200 downloads per month without having any new, um, podcast episodes out. So that's been rather odd to me, but, I appreciate it, you guys. I really do. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get to the topic of the month and or next two weeks and or next, you know, two months. Coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS, COVID-19, whatever they want to call it. Look, man, it's crazy out here. I'm in Minnesota. Uh, We're at uh, stay at home. It's basically shelter in place, but not shelter in place it's their way of you know trying to walk you to it trying to make it not sound so bad and honestly it's whatever really because i don't really do nothing anyway i we just be sitting at home chilling but it is rather odd to see uh you know people buying out 20 <laughs> 20 rolls of toilet papers things that they don't need um it, it's re- it's really odd to be quite honest uh And it really just shows people doing things that they perceive to be able to control. Um, I heard this from somebody and then I read into it more and it it really does make sense. Basically, the reason people are buying all the toilet paper or were buying all the toilet paper is because they can't control when they get COVID-19 or if they get COVID-19. Not really. I mean, you could try your best, but if someone sneezes in that in that uh, store and you walk through it, Within the next six hours, I think they said. And all this science on that part is rough because they still don't know exactly how long um, COVID-19 lives in the air. But if you walk through that, you might contract it. So what people do instead is they say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to buy all this toilet paper, even though even though SARS, uh, even though COVID-19 has nothing to do with your ass. You're not going to get diarrhea. You might not be able to breathe. But you're not going to get diarrhea. And if you do have diarrhea, it's not because you have COVID-19. But look, man, I hope everybody's staying safe. I will be dropping podcasts. Um, This Saturday is when this is going to drop. So when I say this Saturday, you're going to hear it today. Um, But I will be trying to push out two podcasts a week, Saturday and Wednesday. Uh, But most definitely, no matter what, I will be dropping on Saturday. Once again, though, just to backtrack a little bit, you guys are really awesome. Like I said, I've just been going through stuff, and I check the podcast every other day, see if I have any emails or anything. And I've gotten a few emails, but, you know, we can get that that participation up a little bit. You know, send me some questions, send me some ideas, send me anything. If you have something to say, go ahead and send it to his name with Daryl at gmail.com. I'll go over that again at the end, but... You are all awesome. And to the new fans in uh, the UK and Poland, what's up? 
I have no idea how you found this, but there's like 20 or 30 of you now. Um, and that is pretty awesome. Uh, that is like really awesome. The 20 to 30 unique listeners. So I have no idea what the hell you're listening to a, a black dude from uh, the Midwest, but Hey, what's up, man? Uh, <laughs> now that we got all that out of the way, I've got a couple topics I really want to talk about today. I've got some things I really want to go over. Uh, let's go ahead and start out with the obvious. Uh, the one thing that's going on right now, besides COVID-19 and besides the quarantine, this presidential race, man, I know it's kind of taking a backseat um, in the news. In the news, they haven't really talked about it because they're so worried about COVID-19. And let me just say, the news, it is not your friend, guys. It is going to just, they, they, you know, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all of them, none of them are going to say stuff to help you. They're only talking about things to get you, you know, to look at their stuff. And w- going into that, they're not talking about the presidential campaign much because it's not going to get them much ratings. People only want to hear about COVID-19. But here, here I came to talk about it because it was something I had to say. Right now, or last time I checked, Biden, Joe Biden, was winning the Democratic uh, primaries. He had more delegates than Bernie. And I know all the primaries are being pushed back. And uh, either way, it looks like Biden is in the lead. That's a problem for me. That's a problem for me because, well, the whole situation is a problem for me because Biden is not doing anything to help black folks. Biden has consistently said... (laughs) I mean, he literally at one point in the kindest way and all the politician way said black people can't raise their kids and they need to have white people in their homes to help them raise their kids. If you're curious and you want to know what I'm talking about, email me or anything and I will send you that clip because that is that is what he said in the most politician way. Tried to hide it as a way of, you know, helping disenfranchise youth and all that stuff. But it wasn't like that. He was literally saying black people can't raise their kids. And on top of that, and like I said, look, this podcast is not about race, but I'm a black man in America, so you know what it is. It's my reality. But Biden is winning, and he's winning off the backs of older black people. I thought, hmm, why is he getting all the black votes from the older black people? And I look over at Bernie. And I see Bernie, and he's, you know, doing his Bernie thing, you know, trying to say, hey, we should all be getting health care. You're not wrong, Bernie. Hey, we should all have a, a living wage. You are not wrong, Bernie. But then I realized Bernie is losing because Bernie is fighting a fight of classism in a country ruled by racism. Now, I love Bernie, but there are issues that I have with him. And please, by the way, my opinion should not sway your political opinion. If it informs you, that is fine. But do not change your opinion based on the fact that I have my opinion. You can vote for and do whatever you want. Just make sure that you vote, um, because if you don't, you can't complain. And and that's my true thought about this. Uh, But back to Bernie. Bernie is having a... He's trying to fight a fight of classism in a country ruled by racism. Um, The law of the land in America is not classism. At one point it may have been, but it definitely has not been since the beginning pretty much. The law of the land is racism. Why? Because we have a president that proves that. 
white Americans will often and consistently and religiously and emphatically, a lot of Lees, jump the fence of their class to align with their race. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that we have a lot of poor white people in America. We have a lot of poor people in America, but a lot of white people who are poor and are the same class as the next poor black or brown person will jump that fence to align with their race. So they saw Donald Trump and he 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 wasn't doing anything for anyone who was broke. I mean, you knew it from the start, but they they jumped the fence a good more a, a large portion of them and aligned with him. Why? Because he was saying things that they understood on their side as their race. And yes, I understand that black people do it too, but we do it as a protection measure. See, because as much as we do not think monolithic, you treat us monolithic. Because as black Americans, we might not all think that fish tacos are amazing, but there was a time where if that was the only thing we had to eat, and we complained about it, you might take it away from us. And yeah, oh, it was slavery. It doesn't matter. It still applies today. See, if we don't stand on something, it's more likely that you're going to try to fuck with it. So we have to. In a way, it's a defense mechanism. But as a white American, you don't need to do that. But it's consistent, and you do it so quickly. They do it so quickly, and it's very, very weird. Because Bernie is right. This is a problem of classism. But the reason he's going to lose is because he refuses. And even when he does approach it, he doesn't go full send. He points out that racism is a problem. But Bernie hasn't full blown faced the fact of racism being a problem in America. Bernie refuses to face the fact that racism is a problem in America. Bernie refuses to outright say, instead of just saying little things, he can say something and say, listen, the reason I'm not bringing this up, the reason I'm not standing on this mountain or this molehill is because I cannot, because I have walked with you guys. I have marched with you all. And I understand one thing that will not change. These people, the rich, the people that are white and do not want to change, they will not change. Because when I marched with you during the civil rights, I found out that they still don't like you. There's no way of making them like you. And if I cannot make them like you, there's no reason for me to lie to you and sell you a dream of me fixing this racism. But Bernie has not done that. And that, that is questionable to me. I don't understand exactly why. I mean, there are a lot of other things about Bernie that are problematic, in my opinion. But that problem specifically, that situation specifically, has never made sense to me. Because if you look at the numbers, he's losing the vote and he consistently loses the vote of the young of the older black people. But he's trying to win the vote of the younger black people. But in order to win, Bernie, you're going to need both. Because Biden's got both sides. Because he has the cool, I'm the ex-vice president of the black president. So he just needs to pull a good portion of the white people and a good portion of the black people, and he wins. You can't win with just the young white people and the liberal black white people. That's it. You need more. And it is troubling to see two 70-plus-year-olds fight on stage, and I, a 24-year-old, sit here and say, all of this is craziness. I'm voting for two people that might just die of a stroke in office. And to top it all off, neither of them actually give a fuck about me. It's crazy. 
Um, it's something that I just will never understand, but I get it. It's the way the American politics work. It's the way politics work in general. But, man, I hope there's a changing of the guard here at some point. We need, there is no need to be having a a, a primary, a, a presidential race with people of 70 years old that don't understand to a degree other things. I mean, Bernie, he's he's there. But he's 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 older. I'm, who thinks Bernie's really going to make it through two terms, let alone one one term, let alone two? And I I love Bernie. I'm not wishing death upon him, but just I'm just laying out the facts here. But it's it's a weird world, man. It's a weird world. We had uh, we had Black History Month Zoom on by, where I saw a lot of people doing a lot of things. Saw a lot of people moving. Making some daily posts for black Americans. You know, on this day, this happened. I saw some funny ones. I saw some really hilarious ones. Um, But I don't want to spend too much time on this topic. But like I said, it's not a podcast about race in America. But I'm black in America, so you know what it is. And that, (laughs) that whole situation, that whole political climate, it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. It's it 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 blows my mind. And the part that uh, <laughs> the part that always makes me giggle about each one of these elections is that no matter what happens, no matter who wins, nothing's going to really change on either side. I mean, the underbelly of one side will come out or the underbelly of the other side will come out. That's all that really changes, but America keeps pumping up and keeps going. But right now, the situation that we're in, where we're in quarantine or shelter in place or social distancing, there's a lot of issues that are kind of coming up, as so to speak. The issues that no one has really ever talked about or wants to bring up. One of those issues seems to be as of right now the xenophobia that Americans are exhibiting um, xenophobia being you know uh, the the I'm gonna totally butcher the definition here but uh, and I'm not gonna give it a definition because I don't want to butcher it it is early in the morning but basically Americans uh, being hypersensitive and disrespectful and f- uh, uh, worried about Chinese because of you know covid calling them all types of things, going against them, straight up just being disrespectful and racist, not just xenophobic. But the part that's been making me giggle is when I hear someone say, you know, oh, that that uh, that restaurant, that Chinese restaurant, I forgot where it was, damn it. It was a Chinese restaurant where uh, some white dude was like, I'm not going in there, they have that, they have coronavirus, they're gonna get everyone sick. But the funny part was is that not all the time are Chinese restaurants owned by Chinese people. Sometimes other Asian um, cultures, people from other Asian cultures, will appropriate and make a Chinese restaurant. And this one in particular was owned by Vietnamese. But this guy was so, so, so into it. He was so certain that... um, That he was going to get coronavirus, that he decided to go full on and like make, like freak the hell out and go off on him. And somebody pointed out in the comments, like, bro, they're Vietnamese. It's not even the same thing. Why would you be that much of an idiot? 
But that's just that's that's that American ignorance. That's that American stupidity. That's that American. Uh, um, <laughs> that's that American bullshit. That's what we are known to do. And we will sit there and go all the way against something, whether we understand it or not. You know, it's it's it. A lot of the stuff that's going on right now is interesting because we have Asian Americans, Chinese to be exact, and actually, well, not only Chinese Americans, Asian Americans, period, you know, saying, hey, look, this is not okay. They're being racist to us. But I find that interesting that, yes, I know, I know that Chinese and other Asian cultures in America have stood with black people have stood with other brown people. But there, and there is no denying this, there has been a consistent, a very consistent trend, and um, I don't really know the word for it, but there's been a consistent trend of Chinese Americans being very disrespectful to black women specifically when they visit their shops for hair or anything like that but also of asian culture as a whole a lot of asian culture as a whole being very exclusive so i find it very different that the minority that operates as if they are not a minority and a lot of the times can be very, very, very off-putting to other minorities, now is screaming out, hey, they're being racist to us. And it feels like, and this is just my opinion, and, and you can judge me for my opinion, here I am saying, yeah, I mean, they're being racist to you. It's America. What do you want? But also I'm thinking, it's like you either don't understand that this is honestly not that abnormal in America, or maybe you just have tricked yourself into thinking that this is not normal in America. And it shouldn't be normal in America. I'm not making an excuse for it. But I'm not going to really give much time to it because, I mean, I've literally seen you try to search and attack black women consistently or attack black men, black children, black teens consistently because you fall for the racist stereotype of black people all steal, black people are all thieves, black people are all criminals. But now you want my help, and that that is a little bit um it's just it's it's very it's very polarizing. It's it's as if I mean, look, at one point I used to believe in order to stand up for yourself, you need to stand up for others. But that's not always true. And in this situation, do what you will, do what you might. And I never will approve of racism. But this situation of, hey, help us, stand up for us. It's like, ah, I know some really dope Asian Americans. And I also know some really dope Asian Americans that would tell you their parents do not like me. And that their uncles do not like me. And that there are younger generations that do not like me based on the fact and on the, the things they are told. And that's whatever, because I have, a, I have a, a grandmother who's Southern. Trust me, she said some crazy shit to me. But this idea that I'm supposed to help you when you are one of the most exclusive, exclusive groups in America is very weird. It, 
because you never wanted my help. You never wanted, I mean, you wanted my dollars, but you didn't want to respect me. And now I'm kind of caught in this in-between. Man, this is a hell of a, <laughs> subjects to go in on uh, after like two, three months of a break. Man, but, but like, it's just, it's very different that way. It's very different that way. And it's very odd that, you know, <laughs> my help, our help, other people's help is being sought when we were never appreciated before. But that's not to all Asian Americans. And it's just like when a woman says men aren't shit. Come on now. If you take offense to it, if you take offense to it, then you're probably a shitty dude or you're just being sensitive. Because she's not saying all men are shit. She's saying that, yo, men do some shitty shit. And you know as a man, I know as a man, we do some real bogus things sometimes. So when I say, yo, Asian Americans are exclusive, Asian Americans tend to be very off-putting to black people specifically and other brown people, you know what I mean. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't pertain to you, hey, don't let it bother you, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like when Brit Rich Brian, um, his, I don't think he said it exactly, but his management said it in some little interview thing saying, you know, hip-hop isn't inclusive enough. Hip-hop isn't, I thought, hip, I, I thought to myself, hip-hop isn't a, an inclusive enough. Hip-hop, if that's not the most ironic thing coming from a, come on now. Hip-hop isn't a, your name was Rich Chick. <laughs> it's crazy out here, man. This world is crazy, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the only world we got. It's the only reality we have, unless y'all got like this, unless y'all, unless y'all found, uh, you know what I'm saying, the multiverse. If you, got, if you found the multiverse, let me know. You know, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go there, but you know, if you, it, it's only if you found it though, but if you found it, you know, let me know. Um, <clears throat> before I go any further, I'm going to go ahead and play this song. Uh, that was a real hard transition. Damn, I'm rough. I'm rusty. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this song. This is, well, this is couple B's. Yeah, this is, let me double check the name of the song real quick. Um, I believe it is called, this is called Couple Bees. Yeah, I was right. Couple Bees by Majilla. I found this artist on, well, Loom. I'm not really, I'm not sponsored by that app, by the way. I'm not sponsored by that. Um, I just think it's a really cool way of finding new artists because I want to play newer artists that don't have a gigantic following on my podcast. But this is Couple Bees by Majilla. Dope. It's straight. It's dope. I'm going to go ahead and just play. I'll, I'll see y'all in a second. Dodging cases, felonies, homie. 
me Get money by any means This is the life that you dream Problems that start on the block When you come up, watch how everyone flock Whoever's all I want, I ain't have a dime More money, more problems come with the time I'm breaking bread, but it come with a price I made a toast to one hell of a night Looking forward to one hell of a life Cut me a check and I cut you a spice Keep a yeah, couple yeah. bees on me Bitches Benjamin's biscuit on me Never stay without the weed on me This life ain't cut for the week, homie Lot of you niggas still sleep on me We ain't out here catch disease, homie Dodging cases, felonies, homie Get money by any means This is the life that you dream My business and pockets the same Stay in your place, niggas, stay in your lane Not on my level, this shit ain't a game Bitches is baggage, I leave them to hang All of you rappers should be ashamed It's a one take, I ain't do it twice Ain't got no manners when I'm on the mic Cause when I'm on the mic, I'm a lady like spitter Just like your bitch late at night Barris, these niggas tremendous Fuck a cosign, fuck a witness Fuck a ghost line, shit ain't written Fuck any nigga who bitch And I gotta catch my breath, yeah I might just be a threat, yeah I might just be the best, yeah I might just say fuck a label And stay doing me till they ask Always keep a couple bees on me Bitches Benjamin's biscuit on me Never stay without the weed on me This life ain't cut for the week, homie Lot of you niggas still sleep on me We ain't out here catch disease, homie Dodging cases, felonies, homie Get money by any means This is the life that you dream Once again, that is Couple B's by Majilla. You can find Majilla, M-A-J-I-L-L-A, on Facebook. Give her a follow. On YouTube, you can find the music. On Loom, you can find the music. Spotify, you can find the music. Majilla. Dope, dope, dope music. Got Got a couple songs that I really like. That that one is that one I really like that one too. Um, <clears throat> back to the topics though. Um, I want to start doing something a little different. Uh, I'm really into music, so I'm gonna start giving a little breakdown on music, a couple breakdowns of a couple songs, a couple albums. Uh, this week, this weekend, we're gonna go ahead and dive a little bit into the weekend. Uh, the weekend dropped his, I think fifth. Nope. His fourth studio album. I might be wrong there. Anyway, The Weeknd dropped a new studio album just recently. Um, It was an album that I was looking forward to. An album that a lot of people were looking forward to, but were also confused as to what was going on with the aesthetics. 
kind of got the 80s uh, mustache going on, looking a little bit like Lenny Kravitz and stuff. And it was just it was just a little bit of a mixed mixed signal thing happening. And then I listened to it. Then I went and listened to the weekend's new album, After Hours. And I came away with a very interesting feel from it. I've been following the weekend since 2011, early 2010, late 2010, uh, when he dropped his three mixtapes, uh, House of Balloons. I'm going to sound like a, a poser. House of Balloons, Echoes of Silence, and Thursday. And I loved every single one of those mixtapes because it felt like he was transitioning and moving forward and pushing his sound forward. Then as the weekend kind of blew up before our very eyes and people started to know who he was, I kind of started to pull back a little bit because the poppy sound got a little too much. But this album, After Hours, a lot of people are going to tell you it's mid. A lot of people are going to tell you it's not the greatest. A lot of people didn't tell you, yeah, it's okay. Listen, if you're a fan of The Weeknd from the start and you don't mind the poppy side of The Weeknd a little bit, this is it. This is right there with My Dear Melancholy. My Dear Melancholy, that's my shit. That's that dark weekend that I like with a little bit of that little poppy mix. But this right here, this album, this album is dope, especially if you dig all of his older music and you really dig that 80s sound because The Weeknd did some things with this album. I'll give you five things that I really love about it. One, Snow Child. That song, Snow Child. If you're a fan of The Weeknd and have been for a long time, you know that he, he had a song called, uh, oh shit, um, Glass Tables, Girls on Glass Tables, uh, Girls on Glass Tables, I believe it was in the House of Balloons mixtape, and he does that little like rappy singing stuff, and don't get it twisted, Weekend has bars, he can drop some bars, I got a brand new girl, call her Rudolph, she probably OD before I take her to mama, he, he, he's got, he's got that in his arsenal, and I really, really dig when he does that, on Snow Child, the weekend holds nothing back. He straight up does that little singy songy, you know, little rappy voice he does. And uh it is it it in my opinion, it's amazing. It is the it is one of the standouts on the album. It's not the standout on the album, but it's one of the standouts on the album. And it's not a hard thing to pull off. I'm not gonna act like you know, no one can do it, but it's the way he does it. it I, I really, 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 really dig it. You know, uh, uh, in Snow Child, he says, I used to pray when I was 16. If I didn't make it, then I probably made my wrist bleed. Not to mislead, turn my nightmares into big dreams. Whole squad mobbing, even though we only six deep. I was singing notes while my niggas play with six keys. Walking in the snow before I ever made my wrist freeze. Listen. It's not like complicated bars. I'm not going to act like The Weeknd's some lyrical, you know, lyrical miracle genius. But let me tell you, when he says it, 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 it it's different. It's different that way. It, it's really good. He's really good at what he does when he does that. He's really good at what he does when he does anything. But Snow Child, that is one of my favorites. But also, I'm just going to go through the list. Let me pull it up real quick. Let me pull it up real quick um, of his album because 
is I really dig it. I keep I keep hearing people say, you know, oh, it's mid, it's mid, it's mid, and that, and that's your opinion. You have the right to be opinion, no matter how wrong it is. You have a right to have an opinion. You know, that's that's your right to have an opinion, no matter how wrong it may be. It's a joke, <laughs> but you have a right to have an opinion, and I'm serious about that. But um, it, it's it to me, it's not it's not mid at all. It's 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 great. So we start off with alone again. Not my favorite song, not my most favorite song, but I I, I dig it. I feel it. Um, too late. Once again, it's a really solid song. I like it. But then he goes crazy, right? And he kind of sequenced this a little weird. It seems like I've heard people say he sequenced it. Um, I mean, they mentioned it on the Joe Budden podcast, and they mentioned other places that he kind of sequenced it as you know, uh, producer by producer. And I guess that kind of makes sense. I, I would have laid out these tracks a little different, but I'm not, a, I'm not an A&R. I'm not an artist. I'm just a guy who likes music. Um, but hardest to love. Amazing. I love when the weekend gets into his ballad bag. It's probably the best bag he has. Um, it, it, it's not the best bag. It's right there. It's he's got, he's like, like two bags in the, in the, in the, in the clutch. And, and that, that one, the ballad, oh, he kills it. Hardest to Love is amazing. Hardest to Love is amazing. Scared to Live, another one. These are songs that I would expect to hear um, kind of in a prom setting or a wedding setting, juxtaposing uh, the situation, even though you're in love with the person. You know, it's that weird, you know, the songs we play at proms and weddings that are kind of like slow and they don't really make too much sense being that you're in love with the person that you're with, but... but they're amazing. I mean, they are very well produced, and The Weeknd is on top of his singing. I have always been a critic of The Weeknd singing live. It's just something that he's not good at. Now, that does not mean he cannot sing. It does not mean he depends on auto-tune. Everyone does some tuning. But The Weeknd has always had an issue with singing live because maybe nerves, I don't know. But I know it is very different singing in an actual... Um, studio where everything's under your control and then singing live but this man i believe he sang uh scared to live i might be wrong no he did sing scared to live on one of the night shows and oh man and then with saturday night live he killed it he killed it he he straight killed it it was it was amazing and in my opinion scared to live hardest to love Really big standout tracks. If you're not a fan of ballads, you're not going to like it. But if you're a fan of ballads, if you're a fan of The Weeknd at the core, where he used to get that off every now and then, you're going to like that. You're going to love it. Like I said, then there's Snow Child. <laughs> Walking in the snow before I made my... I don't, I don't got to go back to it, man. Escape from L.A. That track has grown on me. As I started listening to that track, I listened to this album four, five times. Um... And I listen to it in different settings. I listen to it while I'm at home. I listen to it while I'm at work. I listen to it while I'm in the car. I listen to it on the way back home in the car. And then I just listen to it out in the wild. Just like put a song on, go walk. Go, go do something. Put a song on, go do something. And uh, Escape from L.A., that is a hell of a good song. I didn't know what was going on at first. I don't. I feel like I just didn't like hear it out. But it is five minutes and 55, 56 seconds of, of, of great it's kind of got that rappy thing in it, but it's 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 different that way. It's good. It's not the standout, but it is good. Um, Heartless. I absolutely hated that song when it came in the little two-pack with Blinding Lights. Absolutely hated it. 
I thought that is your little try to be, you know, it's the it's the alternative um, radio banger. But when you listen to that in this album, man, that shit is amazing. Heartless is dope. It's a simple it's a simple formula. It's really repetitive, but I'm not going to lie. It's good, man. Metro Boomin really did good on that track. Faith, it's not my most memorable track. It might be the most forgettable track in this album. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. It's not bad by any means. And maybe I just haven't given enough listen, but I don't think it's fair because it is placed between Heartless and Blinding Lights. So it's it's kind of in a real rough spot. Blinding Lights, clearly his radio song. Uh, Blinding Lights is clearly the weekend's radio song. He pushed Heartless and Blinding Lights at the same time kind of to appease two sides of the same coin uh, for his crowd, for his fan base. And it worked because I absolutely adore Blinding Lights. Um, I love the 80s vibe. If there's one thing I have a problem with on this album, the weekend, my man, you didn't go all the way in on the 80s thing. And I understand. It's fine. I, I don't mind it at all. But I, I hear this 80s thing going on and, I, and I'm and i thinking, okay, it's going to happen. Um, who else did it? Oh, Shake. 070 Shake. Oh, my God. If y'all don't know who 070 Shake is, she is amazing. I will probably give her album another listen again. I have probably streamed that album the most out of any album in 2020. Uh, she went full, full on with the 80s, and it worked to perfection. Weekend, if you would have done that, it would have been an even better album, but I'm not complaining. But Blinding Lights, I love that song. In Your Eyes, that song grows on you. Not not a first time listen but it grows on you save your tears that is a surprisingly great song i didn't know exactly what was going on the first time i listened to it but um it's really good uh repeat after me interlude it's just the weekend doing a little repeat it's it's an interlude i I really have much to judge it for it's there after hours though in my opinion that's my standout that's the album song that's the, you picked one hell of a song to name you to 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 give as the as the name of the album after hours is everything i love about the weekend after hours gives me almost all of it it's dark it's a little seedy it's a little poppy it gives him singing you get a little screaming in there it's great i love after hours That is the number one track on this album. Until I bleed out, I could do without it. I'm not there with it. I'm not there without it. But if it ended on After Hours, man, this album would be great. It takes you on a literal trip. It feels like you're traveling with with that song. With After Hours, you are traveling with that song. If you love The Weeknd, if you've never listened to The Weeknd, probably not an album you should listen to, to be honest with you. Start from the beginning, flow through. But there's one thing I have to say about this album. The weekend is growing and he's he's growing backwards, which is good in my opinion. It feels like he's going back and and slowly trying to walk y'all in to the hey, I did this poppy thing. I told you I was gonna do this poppy thing, but I'm about to get back into my real bag, which is this dark, seedy shit that everyone loved about me. And that I cannot wait for. But that is my album review for the weekend, after hours. 
If you have any other questions, you have any input, please, please email me. Hit me up on Facebook. Um, at Well, my name is Daryl. Uh, I'll be making a Twitter. I don't know why I don't have a Twitter, but I'll add a Twitter here shortly. It's probably going to look trash because I won't have any followers, but I will add a Twitter. Let me know what your thoughts are because I, I, am, a, I am a really big fan of The Weeknd. I have lost touch with his music because of the whole poppy vibe he was giving off, but this and My Dear Melancholy sent me back. I'm back on the bandwagon. I'm back to listening. I am with it all the way. Now, before I get back to our last topic, I'm actually going to play another song for you guys. Uh, just a little break, just to break everything up a little bit. It is called Dollars. It is by a person that I do know. Uh, and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good track. Um, not sure exactly what the album was going to look like. I would love to hear the album when it does come out. If it does come out, mixtape comes out, whatever it is, uh, so I can give a full opinion because I feel like this is a song that will work really well in an album. And I'm not pulling punches. I'm not trying to kiss anyone's ass. I'm being honest. I I think this song is a good song in an album, and I think it's a good song on its own, but I think it's going to be really good in an album if placed correctly. And it probably will be placed correctly. But... This is Dollars by Elemental X, old friend of mine. Here you go. Nobody is perfect. So why do I change myself for you? No way that it's worth it. I'm staying low from the surface. I'm cleaning my closet I find a no drip like a faucet in houses I never had houses, apartments I found some light in the darkness I found some light in the darkness No pops in the house, I'm the man now They killing my brothers for nothing Man down, man down, man down I work for dollars and commas, no need for a handout. I work for dollars and commas, no need for a handout. All right, all right, all right. That was Dollars by Elemental X. Like I said, it feels like more of an interlude. Um... If the album, if the album is or the mixtape or whatever it is, I hope it's not a Lucy. This could this could really really fit in and really get a mood going. A lot of people don't know how to do the album thing, man. And listen, I'm not like a savant when it comes to music, but I follow music. I know how to, I I really do really care for music, and this is a song that, in my opinion, would be really good in an album or in a mixtape. It could create a vibe. It could change the vibe. It, it you know, like like a uh, good kid, Mad City has all these sketches, right? All these skits, right? And it's an album. That's one thing that Kendrick is good at. That's one thing that J Cole is good at. They are very good at making cohesive albums that create a vibe and can change the vibe. This gives me that feeling. So I hope the follow up to this 
you know what I'm saying? I hope it's not just a simple Lucy and there's no real album or mixtape behind it. I hope there's more. Because for me, this this creates something that could really be, you know what I'm saying? It could really set the mood, set the tone. So Elemental X, I'm waiting, I'm watching, and... I mean, <laughs> don't drop this ball, motherfucker. You know, let's give it to us the way that it, it, it's supposed to be. Uh, let's get to the real subject of the day, the name game. The name of the podcast uh, episode, the name game. Listen. This is something that I am very passionate about. So anytime I get passionate about something, I might yell. It might sound like a rant. But y'all know what it is. That's why y'all listen. And there goes my phone going off. (laughs) Twice now. (laughs) But listen. Today we're going to talk about the name game. And what I mean by the name game is I've got a black name. My name is Levante. I've told the story about my name about why the podcast is called My Name is Daryl before you can check out episode number one but I'm not going to delve too far into that again but my name is Levante it is a quote unquote black name quote unquote African American name quote unquote ghetto name whatever the fuck you want to call it but I have I definitely grew up and I grew up in the Midwest so maybe it's a little different here I know it's a little different here um, I grew up where teachers would act like they didn't know how to say my name. They would act as if they would never understand how to say my name, and it was very frustrating to me because it's my name. So it felt like I was being, and I'm not a sensitive person, but I delve too far into things. So I definitely grew up with this this uh, idea that there was something wrong with my name. That there was something wrong with me. That the reason teachers couldn't say Levante was was because it was simply my name was too difficult. But as I've grown up and I'm 24 years old now, I realized black names, Levante, Raquan, Daquan, Lakeisha, um, Shanice, things like that. There's nothing wrong with our names. There's absolutely nothing wrong with our names. Our names are given to us by our parents because they are our names. But more importantly, I have tried to say this before on the podcast. Once again, I've said it and I'll say it again. This podcast is not about race, but I'm a black man in America, so you know what it is. And the reality of it is, I live in the Midwest where people have very difficult names. And by difficult names, I mean they have Z's where a vowel should be and C's where a vowel should be. But I've consistently heard and grew up hearing and still to this day hear people say those names spell those names perfectly. But they can't say or spell Levante. Which, in my opinion, is not very difficult to spell. And I've never in my life taken time out of my day to purposely not pronounce someone's name right or be ignorant to the point where I did not want to pronounce someone's name right. It's to the point now that I ask people how to say their name correctly. And if I cannot say it correctly, I literally say, I'm not going to say your name only because I don't want to butcher it. So I won't say the first name, but I'll try to say the last name or anything like that. I don't like butchering people's names. 
because and this is something I'll cover on next podcast. It cre- for me, it created a weird type of childhood trauma, so to speak. I mean, I had a lot of childhood trauma, but it created this this feeling that I had about myself. It made me insecure about my name. It made me insecure about myself because someone simply was on purpose, and it, it seriously, it was it was purposeful that they were not trying to say my name correctly. And it would bug the hell out of me. But I looked into this not long ago, a couple years ago, and I found out that this is very interesting. See, the black name, quote unquote, you know, has a la, ta, da, va, ki, re, li, ti. There's a reason. So one of the reasons or one of the thought, one of the reasons that are thought to be that we have names that are different, so to speak, is the French influence. So a lot of black people come from the South. Well, almost all black people come from the South originally, but you get the point. So you have French influence of adding de or le or la, and we didn't have apostrophes or anything, or anything like that, so you would just put L-A or T-E or things like that. They were trying to, what I'm trying to say is they were trying to copy what they had already known and have an influence of what they considered their culture now. So that's why we have a Lakeisha. Shakisha. See, there's always a prefix. Not always, but a lot of the time, there's a prefix. And it's kind of like trying to re-establish yourself. Now, the interesting part is a lot of black names... A lot of the names that people talk about now are actually new. It's not that they're old. A lot of the names that you're seeing now, like uh, well, like any of them that I've named, really started happening around the 60s and 80s, some a little bit in the 50s, when as a culture we were trying to find ourselves and reestablish ourselves because, you know, we weren't too far back from the, you know, those times. And we're trying to become something of our own again. So you have the establishing of names that are culturally synonymous now at this point with being black. And you have the new awakening of African-Americans becoming Muslim, uh, Muslims. And you have names like Jabbar, Kareem, things like that that are influenced from the Horn of Africa or the Middle East or in that area. And we try to become and establish ourselves in that area. The name game that we've played in America of shunning black Americans for their different names has got to stop. It happens every day. See, you are less likely to get a job if you write Levante on your fucking resume. Because in America, my name, which is American, by the way, because it was created in... (sighs) My name can stop me from getting a job. Not because it is a swear word. Not because it is obscene. Not because it is of any type of disrespect to anybody or any culture, but simply because it is synonymous with being black. 
that's fucking crazy. The fact that my entire life as a kid, I was told by teachers that, oh, I don't really know why that that name doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Excuse me. That's a really different name. And I'm sorry, in the Midwest, when they say different, they don't mean it positively. Oh, that's really something, huh? But you just said Kershawski. Spelled K-E-R-S-C-E-W-K-I-S-Z. Where the fuck it is? That's frustrating. And it is a continuous battle. I mean, I read an amazing book. I've got I gotta find that book. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you guys at the end, but I was I was actually well, I did an audio book. I listened to an audio book of this book. It is amazing, in my opinion. It is about it is a black woman talking about how her parents gave her a white male's name. Literally, so it would be easier for her. I'm still here, black dignity in a world made of whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. That's the book. I love it. Because it speaks to me. Even though it's a woman talking, it speaks to me. I changed and said, I went and I went by my middle name, Daryl, while I was working for a telecommunications company because of a situation where a white man from Alabama decided to purposefully and with full intent to disrespect me say every name besides my actual government name which he had said two or three times previous Levante he decided to call me every other black name besides that because he was frustrated and listen I know phone calls are phone calls and it didn't really bother me too much but I'll be real with you, it wasn't the first time I talked on the phone with somebody where they couldn't simply understand the way I talked. And I'm going to be real with you, I talk pretty fucking well. And even if I didn't, even if I decided to, you know, negro it up, bring a little bit more blackness into it, I talk the way I fucking talk because it's who I am. I don't talk about how some of y'all sound like y'all got rocks in your fucking throat. Or how you can't speak correctly of your own language. But this topic, the name game, the game that America has played, the game that we have all been a part of, has got to stop. It's insane. We sit and we're told that we're different because our names are different, but your name isn't even from America. But I'm wrong. But we're all supposed to be American, right? We're all supposed to be together, right? That's that's what we're all supposed to be doing? Supposed to all be happy dandelions and fun? No more fighting? It's all a bunch of bullshit. Listen, if you have a black name, be proud of your black name and be proud of who you are. Don't let anybody, don't let a single soul, don't let anyone ever disrespect you. And by God, don't you dare... 
Don't you dare try to make it easier for them to understand. You better say your name proudly. You better say it loudly. You better make sure that they, you better make sure that them, you better make sure that the world understands that your name is your name and you're not changing it for anyone. Do not conform. And this isn't only for black people. Asians, Mexi- um, Mexicans, Latinos, anyone who has a name that is deemed different, don't let America fuck you up and treat you like shit and deem you less qualifying for jobs or for, or for anything because of your name. Because it's your name. It's who you are. If you were meant to have a different one, you would have one. And if you think you need to have a different one, then change your name. But do not change it because other people want you to change it. Do not change it because you are insecure of it. Your name is your name because you are given your name and there is not a damn thing wrong about that. Jeesh, I was holding that in. <laughs> Listen, it has been a wonderful time with you guys I think we can definitely do this I can definitely do this I can pull these off twice a week maybe 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 I'm not gonna make a promise but I definitely want to hit this hour mark every single time or close enough to it Um, before I let you guys go just to go over a few things I do have a discord I do not manage it very well I'm sorry Um, I will drop a link of that in the description Along with that, please give me a follow on Facebook at my name is Daryl. Um, along with that also, if you have any questions, inquiries, you want to have a conversation, anything like that, hit me up on my email. His name was Daryl at gmail.com. H-I-S-N-A-M-E-D- <laughs> W-A-S-D-A-R-R-Y-L at gmail.com. Till... Till later, guys. Till hopefully this week. My name is Daryl. And remember, mental health is as important as physical health. Water your melanin. And I'll talk to you soon. That's the end of the podcast. Have a good day. Bye.